majority of people having a really hard time identifying why they do what they do. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about this, why we do what we do. There is a lot of motivation that always comes from money. It, this is like the first instinct and the first thing that people think, right? right? I want to make more money, I want to be more comfortable. Um, but ultimately, I think at the very end of it, the idea is that, you know, it, there's something more about it. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Welcome back, everybody, to Lead the Team. I've got Mark Mock, who is the Chief Information Officer over at the American Oncology Network, which happens to be the fastest growing network of community oncology practices delivering local access to cancer care. He's also served as a senior leader over at Florida Cancer Specialist and Research Institute, as well as Promise Healthcare, both based or actually all based down in Florida. Originally from Poland, he says that he and his wife won the green card lottery and wanted to have an adventure in the U.S. of A., Little did he know at the time that his adventure was going to really get cool when he came on Lead the Team, <laughs> like he is today. Mark, welcome to Lead the Team. Welcome, Ben. I'm, I'm really happy to be here and talk to you. So we were just talking about y'all before we got started, the hard H, which Mark Mock, am I, am, am I getting close to it? Yeah, you, you're pretty good. Usually people have a very hard time with it. It's actually Mock which is a really hard H on the back end. But I got a, got an even better thing for you here. My first name actually is not Mark. It's Miroslav, which I gave up some time ago just because <laughs> I didn't torture anybody. All right, let me try. Miroslav. That's good. Miroslav, okay, okay, I'm, I'm close. Well, so yeah, so you, went, so you roll with that when you came to the U.S. and people were messing it up left and right. So you shortened it to Mark. Is that right? It's actually a pretty funny story, if you if you don't mind me telling you. Yeah, sure. Uh, when we came to the States, it was right after we finished our master's degree. Uh, we came to the States, and we pretty much tried to grab any, any job we could. I started working as a maintenance guy in a hospital. And uh, wow. we worked there, and uh, there was a box for the maintenance people in the hospital that uh, every employee could drop the money for the Christmas present. And because everybody put on the, my name on it, I mean, my name Miroslav was on a box. Unfortunately, nobody could really realize who that is, and I didn't get any money. So I decided, <laughs> you know what? I'm Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So you ended up being financially incentivized to make that change too. And, it uh, and was. I, well, no, it's a... It, it's a real thing. We were at my uh, at my daughter's uh, orientation last night. She's going to sixth grade, and we had there was a speaker who's like a new uh, administrator, and he writes his name up on the board 
and uh, his name was Yurkov was his first name. And then he's like, yeah, who in here can, who, uh, who in here do you think can pronounce my last name? And of course I immediately raised my hand. Cause I'm like, I've been doing this podcast for a while. I've, I can pronounce his name and I totally mess it up. And I still don't think I can actually say it right. He's actually Chilean, but I'm not able to say his name. And he just turns to me in front of all the parents and goes, no, that's not right. It's <laughs> like, okay, please. I gotta, maybe I get a grade for like effort on that. But yeah, yeah, my Fanning's, uh, my name is Fanning, but we were originally long ago from Ireland and we were O'Fannon. You know, when it changed along and along. Well, okay. So one of the things I got to ask you about here was I understand that you were supposed to be a, was it a literature teacher back in the yeah. day that that was your training? So yeah, tell us actually, a little bit more about that. And man, from literature teacher to CIO, there may not be a bigger jump than that it is it, it definitely is and it's it's been a journey uh we've i finished the master degree back in poland at the university of Wrocław, which is one of the biggest universities back there and uh i pretty much you know i i finished uh, having a master of uh polish philology which is pretty much you know um, which is a degree that gives me ability to teach in the high schools and higher uh, and uh, yeah, and at, around that time uh, we won a green card lottery, and uh, we decided, uh, okay, we didn't start our careers yet. It's a good time to 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 go and check out what America is about. And uh, here we are, 20 years later. We came in to Florida, two suitcases each, 700 bucks in the pocket, and off we go. Uh, landed in Tampa. Uh, found a job in the hotel uh, initially working as a maintenance, then eventually found a job in the hospital working as a maintenance. And, uh, you know, we knew that we need to do some changes here. I knew I'm not going to go back to teaching. Uh, so, you know, on my wife's idea, actually, she said, you're always sitting the computers, you're always putting computers together in that part. You should start doing this. And that's how this really started. I, I went to school, started getting some certifications and learning more and more. Out of that, in my hospital where I worked, um, one a hospital administrator, she actually introduced me to the corporate team and they took me to the service desk group uh, in the corporate. And that's how that was my first step in IT. Mm -hmm. I spent a few years with them, um, you know, worked through my ranks from from you know, from a service desk guy to manager, eventually to operations analyst, and eventually moved to a new company as a network administrator as I was progressing my career and, and getting more certifications, more knowledge. So, wow. and then, uh, and then from that, that was actually that second step where it was very interesting for, for me because that's where I really truly started realizing that. I might be onto something here because from that network administrator, I eventually moved to manager, which was my first position where I had to manage people. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then that led me to, to believe that, yeah, this is actually the direction that I, I think I should be moving that, that where I feel comfortable. So somehow that, that teaching and uh, managing people came together in the end uh, and it came to where the place to where I think both really align and help me. Hmm. 
Wow. So what, what amount of courage did it take? I'm assuming a lot to make that leap going from Poland to the U.S. I mean, you, you left everything that you knew uh, behind, really, including your, your literature background. What was it like? I mean, is some sleepless nights there, I'm assuming? It was pretty scary, honestly. And we, when we came together here with my wife, we, we bought the ticket back then. You, you were able to buy the, the plane ticket um, open, uh, it was cold. So you pretty much have the back flight. You just could pick up the date at one at later point in time. So we had that as a security and insurance that we, we always can go back if something goes wrong and we don't feel like, you know, we wow. want to be here. But it pretty quickly turned out that we, we feel very comfortable and welcomed. And, and we, we start, uh, started continue to move forward. And, you know, really looking back, it's, it's, it feels like a second, but, you know, it was a, quite a journey for us to get wow. through all of it. So kind of a curious question here. Your background in literature, how has it uniquely prepared you to lead an organization? If at all, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming there's something there, though. There yeah. is, there is few things really. From the teaching background, is obviously that connection that it helps me, helps me to talk to to business, helps me to talk to mm. vendors, helps me to talk to my staff. Uh, you know, I always feel like you know, I I'm, I can explain technical things better to to business. I can you know demand from the vendors better. <laughs> Because I, I, I can connect those two things. I can connect those dots. And with my staff, which is, I think, the most important thing for me, I think it helps me to, to kind of show them the, the path, show them the direction that they have to look uh, in anything they do, starting from missions, vision, statements of the organizations and what we want to become and going to the personal level, why you do things certain way where you're going. So I think... Um, the self-reflecting that comes from a literature, the analyzing yourself and, and kind of a thinking about who you are helps in that sense. It, it helps to stay focused, right? Like stay focused on really where do I want to lead everybody? Where do I want to go? What is the most important mm -hmm. things? And so on. And, and every now and then just go back look in the mirror is are you doing what you're supposed to be doing are you moving the directions you should be moving mm -hmm. and so on so yeah i think a lot of leaders myself included may miss that oftentimes where literature isn't just a vehicle for beach entertainment or just chilling it is a mechanism where we can reflect our own journeys and uh, that can make us a better leader because man it's, it's much easier to lead your team when you have a vision and that vision often comes from our own experiences and it's informed through through that. Are there any specific books that you recommend for leaders who do want to be uh, in sort of that self-reflective state of mind and 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 uh, increase their self-awareness? Well, from from you know, literature side of the house, there, there are you know books that I appreciate a lot but usually the classics i really like dostoevsky i really like thomas mann i hesse it's those are the the authors that really speak to me and on the on the personal level obviously right 
And then, but I do read a lot now uh, books related to what I do and related to leading the teams and so on. So right. I, I always go back to Simon Sinek and, and start with why, just because it's oh, nice. such start a with why. clear, mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a clear, clear, you know, picture of why, right? Like it's 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 very very beautifully explained, um, you know. And, and Canva forces you into that that mindset. I so love I that. Think, uh, it's 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 it, if you if you bite on it and you really buy into what what you're hearing, then it's becoming pretty clear what you want to do moving forward, right? Which is is a lot of us don't know that, right? Like starting our careers, I feel like majority of people having a really hard time identifying why they do what they do. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about this, why we do what we do. There is a lot of motivation that always comes from money. This is like the first instinct and the first thing that people think, right? Right. I want to make more money. I want to be more comfortable. Uh, But ultimately, I think at the very end of it, the idea is that, you know, there's something more about it than just the money. And I think... There's a great book by Daniel Pink, Drive, which mm. is literally about it, right? Like it's why we do what we do. And, and he explained this pretty clearly. It's not really for the money. We need to feel the, the, to be part of the community. We need to feel like we're contributing to the bigger biggest cause. We need to be in, feel included. So mm. this, is, this is what I think like between Drive, start with why. That, uh, that's what I would suggest to start with. Two fine books. And I I can vouch for them too. I tell you, they're really powerful. And I love Simon's uh, golden circle uh, and how it works. And and, li- and everyone listening, if you haven't checked this book out, you know, it'll be in the show notes. But it's a great little model. Uh, it, and, and purpose comes to mind. When I think about why, I think about purpose. And when we, ha- we work on purpose, when your team has a purpose, it's just like things just flow a lot better. It was a, a metaphor that was used one time that I really resonated with me is like work is a lot like a bicycle. When you're going towards something and there's a purpose in mind, there's a goal people know about or a greater why, it's no problem to balance on a bike. It basically right. balances itself. But when there's not a purpose, it's like your bike is just sort of standing still and you're trying to balance. And it's way, way more difficult. Yeah, you spend a lot of energy then fighting fighting on, on this, right? And if you have that sense of directions, it just feels natural and you're kind of a flowing there. And so I mm-hmm. think it's really, really important to to understand what you're trying to do. One of the books that comes up for me that I've really enjoyed uh, on the fiction front has been uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Are you familiar with that, oh, that book? Know. Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a fun narrative of, Paulo Coelho is a is Brazilian, uh, but it's in it's in like forty languages now. It's a really cool story about sort of discovering your inner legend, which is about really your why. And it's kind of a fun thing. I actually, I try to read it every year, and I always discover something new. I'm, I try to read it, my daughter, because uh, it's kind of a fun story. So anyway, we kind of get, went down the rabbit hole with that. But I mean, you're a literature guy at heart, so I'm so <laughs> glad we got to tie that in. Um, and then that's really good stuff. So, so let's sort of advance the conversation a little bit. Um, you've said that we're all, we're on the verge 
of a breakthrough and that we're all responsible to push it forward. So what is the breakthrough that you're referring to and what's ultimately our responsibility there? Yeah, I think that this is this is the biggest passion for me, right? Uh, this is where, where that why comes to life for me. And uh, speaking of the book, there is a two book that I can actually tie this with as well. But hmm. I feel like we are with the mapping of the human human genome, and then uh, invention of the CRISPR. And that that I'll make a plug here for Codebreaker, the book by by Walter hmm. Isaacson about Jennifer Doudna and and the team and invention of a CRISPR. Uh, we came to the to the place where now we are unable to analyze what we know with the human brain. We are at the verge of where we need technology to help us advance this further. Therefore, I think healthcare in the future will forever be tied to technology. It will never again be not tied directly in the technology or leverage the technology and the com- computing power. Um, to help us analyze what we cannot analyze with our brain at this point. Um, there is another great book that it doesn't refer di- directly to to this, but it is about the advancement in the technology. It's called Rise of the Data Cloud. It's about the Frank uh, Sluthman taking over Snowflake and taking that, that company to the next level. Uh, and it describes what the future can look like with our data sharing and access to the data. Yeah. I think, you know, that that we are on the verge because now we have so much information about what possibly can cause our, our diseases. Uh, we can start thinking about, you know, preventing some of those diseases. And, and we are all really responsible of pushing this forward to get us to the place to where we can leverage that technology and really start focusing on what we should be, shouldn't be doing to get sick, what mm. we shouldn't be, what we should be avoiding to not get sick, what else we can do uh, with with our life to make it better and long, uh, extend that longevity. At the same time, you know, for the the chronic diseases and the diseases like where we are in oncology, it's a, it's a perfect example. We are you know, on the verge of, of really expanding precision medicine and focusing on actually applying the right drugs for the right patients at the right time. And that mm-hmm. includes not only the drug that's going to help you fight the cancer, but it also drugs that gonna you can read from your variances, from the sequencing, mm-hmm. you can read... Uh, what, how what your t- toxicity is going to look like. You can r- identify rare diseases that can help you fight as you're fighting cancer, help you fight uh, side effects, and so on. So there is a huge opportunity for us as a humans to get us to the next level and really start breaking down some of those horrible diseases of, of our age. So it is. it sounds exciting the way you're talking about it. And I love the intersection of technology and healthcare because, uh, man, it's, it's creates palpable results that millions of people can benefit from. And it's just, it seems like it's a very noble cause to me though. It also sounds extremely overwhelming for leaders, right? Because one, you got the rate of, uh, change for artificial intelligence. 
I actually had uh, we we had uh, IBM's first uh, artificial intelligence officer, Seth Dobrin, recently on the show, uh, and and just talking to hearing about the rate of change in technology is extremely fast. And you've got healthcare changing, uh, public funded research, privately funded research, lots of regulations, and though it's exciting, it's it, it just sounds overwhelming from that standpoint. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. Since you've been in this game for a while, what is your advice for leaders who may be feeling overwhelmed by external factors and external opportunities? And maybe even falling into this analysis paralysis phase where they're not really sure what to do. It's like, it's kind of hard to create a vision when there's so much changing sometimes. What's your advice for leaders who find themselves you know, in that place of possibility and stress and overwhelm at the same time? Yeah, so so a lot of it, it's, you know, it's based on the, on the environment you're in and the company you're with and who mm-hmm. really... Always on your side, and how how this looks like. What the opportunity you have really uh, to present something, right? I, I'm a big believer in you know Silicon Valley fail fast approach, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Where you know you do something, if it doesn't work, you change the direction really quickly, and you continue to keep moving. I I am a strong believer. If you have you have to move fast, right? Like there is there is really no time to waste. That's the one thing we can't buy. It's time. So. You know, you can't really uh, sit and and think about it too long. You gotta get moving. Of course, you have to have a support for such such a thing, right? Like if you don't have that support, it's it's difficult. If you're fighting internal battles, it's really difficult. Therefore, you know, the the more allies you have, the more people you have on your side, the better, easier for you to to take mm-hmm. the risks, take the risk and move move in, into the directions and keep pushing everybody with okay. you. Into the, the right direction. Although healthcare right. failing fast can be dangerous. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, yes and no, depending on, on which side you are, right? Because if mm-hmm. you're in the biotech and in the invention side, you definitely, you know, want to do that, right? Like you want to continue to, you know, move fast because mm-hmm. you can refine, refine, refine and get better. If you're in a, you know, bigger organizations like we are, obviously you have to, you have to think through those, right? You don't want to take the risk mm-hmm. and, and, and means cause any damage but at the same time you you know you have to continue to keep moving right that's why i always look for our organization i always look for what is going to give us that next step in that edge how do we mm. put pieces together in place that eventually going to come together and align and set us good for the future right like mm. it's always about thinking this three steps ahead and how those are going to play for the long term for the organization, right? So the, the short term is is now. We're doing this now because we need it right away. But ultimately, that why and that goal at the very end of it is what yeah. really needs to drive any of your decisions. So you have to find that balance a, a little bit in between. Right now, we're doing the right things, but the, um, looking forward, I have this pre-stage and pre-plant, and even if it goes off track somewhere, 
I can always plug something else in and still continue on that direction. Yeah, I like that. It's like we have to hold, as leaders, we have to hold both of these in our minds at the same time. We have to hold the vision, the possibility, and we can't get overwhelmed by where we are today. And we're acknowledging, hey, we might be years away from that uh, and being able to take action, you know, based on this. And I think we have to control that message to the team. Like, hey, here's the big vision of the opportunities in healthcare, how we're going to you know, decrease cancer rates and whatnot. But also we have to acknowledge where we are today and we ain't there. So we got to figure out what our next steps are. They're going to be in alignment with that. Now, a little bit off topic, but I, I got to ask you this. Because man, this yeah. is triggered. This is trigger for me. So, in your story that you shared about your personal story, you talked about working your way up, and man, I just love that. It's so inspiring. But then you became a manager, and I'm curious did Did they give you leader? Did you get leadership training when you got that first managerial role, or is it more like baptism by fire, where they just pretty much threw you in there and you started leading or managing people? What was it? Yeah, so it was a Baptist by fire. <laughs> I figured as much. Yeah, it's it was, uh, and honestly, I kind of, uh, you know, I was because I was really, I saw there was a lot of things that could be done better and fixed, and and we should reassess and we should add some more resources and so on, and and start putting things together. And uh, being myself, I kept annoying my boss with it. So he eventually caved in and like, you know, just go ahead and do it. And, and you know, and that's how it really started. And uh, eventually I got to the point where when I was uh, vice president of uh, information technology and I had a boss at that point who really like opened that next phase and set me on the, to that next level. He he was the first one who really like took a time and stepped back and mm. and pretty much said, Mark, Go and take that leadership boot camp. Go do this, and she starts sending me to these different places, and and that really like opened the world for me. Mm. It actually, I was pretty satisfied by the fact that you know a lot of things that I already was doing was were right, but it was just by intuition, not by 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 somebody's telling me. Um, but also added me a lot of value on and, you know mm-hmm. what else can we do? Yeah, it sounds like it accelerated your results. Like yes. you're getting results, but you can move faster. You don't have, you're like reinvent or you're trying to reinvent the wheel of leadership or, or you, it's not like you were reading about it too. I don't know when you started reading about Simon, you know, from Simon and, and Daniel Pink, but those are some helpful books, but so many leaders and we do a lot of people are inviting us in now to do more rising leader training. I'm saying it's a big investment that, that they're making because a lot of times they do wait until someone's a vice president. They're like, oh, you've been doing pretty good. Now that you're an executive, we actually need to give you a little training. They're thinking, hey, we need to we need to build up our bench of leaders. So when we have turnover, someone's ready to step into that role versus we're going to put them in that role because they're a good performer. And then we're going to let them kind of figure it out. But man, if you, if you give them some training, you can get more productivity out of them faster. Yeah, um, and and... I think it's 100%. You're absolutely right here. And uh, this is pretty much what I do now with my team. I'm very, very particular about them. And I, I really always want to make sure that they're they're having the right mindset and we are we providing anything we can provide to them to, to become that, that, that next leaders, to become that next 
uh, in line and, and, you know, step up to the plate if they're needed. Um, you know, I think, you know, that there's a couple of things that are super important mm-hmm. for me from that standpoint and to, with my team. You know, I'm, I'm always extremely transparent with them. I, I, I try to be as honest as possible and, and never paint the colors there, not there. And, uh, you know, but I also tell, telling them honestly where I am going, what the vision is, where the company is going and, and why we should going together. And, and, uh, you know, I, I believe I am having a lot of success with them because they are, they are really bought into it and, and they are, they're great, great, amazing group of people that, you know, that, that, move the mountains for for us and uh they prove to themselves and prove to me really that the, the impossible is possible i can mm. give you an example which is i i always i feel pretty amazing about we've had a situation where we were, we were separating from our sister company and we had to make a really radical decisions really quickly and, and make a decision what we do structure we are a big organization we have a you know 70 plus locations and 100 over 100 physicians and uh, we had to separate all of our systems from uh, being in one single data center or one set of servers and, and make a strategic decision to evolve to cloud. And uh, we decided we're going to do this. We've managed to do this in four months. Four months we moved separated without any practice, any physician noticing anything happening in the productions. Wow. Talking about the digital transformation it's possible and it's possible to do it quickly, but you can't do it if you don't have powerful team behind you like like we do. Yeah, nobody does it alone. And uh, what a great feather in your cap and your team's cap for being able to pull that off so quickly. Because, yeah, when you go to the cloud, man, it, it, it allows you to just tap into a whole nother level of technology and possibility for your operations. Now, that's an example of a win and success. Uh, but when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career? And how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Um, I didn't have any like a major failures that would kind of uh, put me in a, in a reset mode, so to speak. I had uh, some minor things and it really boiled down to, to the important decisions uh, on which directions I want to move. You know, early in a career, I, I kind of mm-hmm. got boxed into the situation that I was doing something on AS400 systems that I didn't want to do. And oh, I AS400. To- I am very familiar with that. I worked for some companies back in the day. And the good news is pretty much no one could break, like you couldn't get cyber attacked because nobody could figure out all the customized codes. <laughs> what? The most secure system on the planet, probably. That's it. And it's still around. And, uh, you know, so, but I knew that I have to kind of move away from this because it wasn't a direction for me. I was more of a Microsoft type of a guy. And and that was the, you know, decision I had to make on the fly, which came out, you know, at the very, Hmm. very important moment because ultimately, you know, it was my first IT job and in the first shop, IT shop. So I, that was like pretty much coming out to the world. Now I'm. I need to be that IT guy. That's a big else. job. <laughs> yeah. So oh. yeah, that was actually pretty pretty interesting, and I think it helped me. I do always say to my team and and to everybody, you know, 
out there. You just just be bold about what you do. Mm. Don't don't be arrogant, but be bold about what you do. I think you have to be forward moving always, mm. and you have to be bold about what what is it that you want, right? Like I, I'm. I'm always, I'm a huge believer, you know, that, that you know, the, to have a right person in the, to follow the Patrick Lencioni, to have the right person on the team, you get, uh, you know, you have to have somebody who is smart, humbled, and, uh, and smart, humbled, and I'm missing the third one. Um, smart, oh, yeah. humbled, I don't know, bold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it? Exactly. We're just going to make up our own right here. Thanks, Patrick, for the first two. Right. yeah no that's great i mean I, I think it's uh bold and humble i think humility can go together and to me when i hear that expression i like it because it's to me it's a reflection of a leader who listens yeah you know so, even so the leaders are like the biggest egos on the planet if they listen to their team it's like Okay, they're they're open to possibilities. It's, it's when they turn off their ears and stop listening that you can get into trouble pretty quick. And then the last one I knew is going to come to me is hungry. Oh, uh, hungry. So pretty much I'm pretty aligned with with the bolt. And honestly, I was li- listening to your podcast uh, with uh, Nicole Lemoral, and uh, you know she said oh. a pretty interesting thing about the fact. You know that that how how we searching for the talent and how we missing the talent because of the, we looking at the degrees and so on. This is pretty much it. this is what I live by. I, I honestly don't care who got what degree. Wow, yeah. This is those three things. If you are, have those three things, you 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 can be part of our team because everybody on our team is those three things. Man, I'm, well, thanks for listening to, to Nichols' episode. And for the listeners, Nicola Moreau is the chief human resource officer of IBM. And yeah, to just just to go on what Mark's talking about here, she talked about the term new collar workers. And they basically are saying most of their, I was, I think maybe 50%, 40, 50% of their of their job openings now do not require a college education uh or a college graduation certificate because they're looking for other skills. And she was talking about on her episode, hey, if you learn programming on YouTube, you might be fantastic and you might be able to contribute on day one. And they're open to that conversation. So it sounds like you're you're in that same boat. That's it. And that's that's the really the recipe for a successful team. Right. You 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 don't have to really like experience like with the years as we're growing and then getting older. Definitely, experience matters. You start realizing how much experience matters, and I, I'm I'm thinking about you know, my my early days where I was thinking, you know, I can take on everything, and not nothing's gonna stop me. But ultimately, you know, you come to the realization experience matters, but it's not everything. Yeah. And and the truth is, you know, there there's a lot of value in having somebody hungry and somebody who is really focused to to you know to to having a part of your team. Man, that is definitely a great drop or mic drop moment. I'm saying drop mic, mic drop moment on the interview and a great place to close this for today. Um, you know, Mark, thanks for coming on today. I love all the stuff that we've touched on. I mean, first of all, your incredible journey. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's amazing. I think people are going to love to hear 
how you came from Poland to the U.S. with 700 bucks and two suitcases with your wife and uh, sort of rose to the ranks, you know, really like a self-guided learning that you did all the reading and, and, and your background in literature and how you've leveraged teaching as a CIO. And man, some great comments on healthcare and technology and the intersection and how you're such a compelling why beyond that. And it's about new collar workers and just lots of leader, great leadership philosophies. Wrapping this up, uh, what's your parting thought for listeners today? Well, the, I think the most important thing is, is you know, follow that that direction, follow that something in your mind that, that kind of keeps asking you about, you know, what is it that I'm trying to do? Like, like spend that time, spend that time on yourself and think about what is it that I want to do and how, how this ends, mm. uh, because it's very important. And then just stay hungry, keep going, keep moving. Great. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you very much, Ben. I appreciate it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.